Okay. If you would open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 12. We're getting back to our series on John's Gospel, which we started somewhere in 2009. I don't know when we started it, but um, we're about halfway through. Someone say, Yahoo! Yahoo. All right. Question. Have you ever been lost while driving or with someone driving? Of course you have, right? I mean, it happens. Some of you are more directionally challenged than I. I won't mention my wife by name. I didn't mention her name. But when your wife turns to you, husbands, and says, Honey, I think we're lost. What does that mean? Well, guys, if you're like me, that means just keep driving until you get to where you're going or you run out of gas, whichever comes first. Come on, guys, say amen. All right. To my wife, that means stop and ask for directions. But let me just, let me just speak for the, the other gender for a moment. How many times... Have you stopped and asked for directions and wish you hadn't? The di- following those directions that you got from a total stranger got you even messed up more than you were before. Is that some of us? Yeah, me too. Well, if that's your case, then this video is for you. Squirrel? No, thank you. We're looking for the interstate. Uh, I get that a lot because of the detour. <laughs> oh, now they've lost their way. Now they can't go home. <laughs> you sure you don't want one? We're sure. Thank you. Oh, they make Cracker Jack pets. I taught this one to shake hands. He's not for sale, though. Look at that Bucky here. He just loves to climb the trees and eat the nuts. Ma'am, we do not want a squirrel. Now, do you or do you not know where the interstate is? Well, of course I do. Elevate the shortcut. Oh, thank you, Bucky. I almost forgot. There's a dandy shortcut. It'll bring you right to exit 14. It'll save you 30 miles. Oh. <clears throat> okay, now listen carefully. You want to go straight down here, exactly 1.8 miles. 1.8. And you make a left at the Totem Pole Ranch. Go 5.4 miles, and you're going to go up a big hill, and you'll see a big yellow sign with some graffiti on it. There's a little dirt road. Take that on the right. It'll take you right to the interstate. Thanks very much. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. Take some nuts with you. Just in case you see a squirrel. Oh, look. There it is. Totem Pole Ranch. Turn left. 1.8 miles. Exactly. All right, squirrel lady. Okay, we're at 2.4 miles. There's the yellow sign with the graffiti. Turn right. I see it. You see it? I see it. What? Ha, 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 ha. 
Should have bought a squirrel. Should have bought a squirrel. Reminds me of some of the directions I've received in my life. It's funny. I think sometimes faith is kind of like that. I think sometimes our faith is kind of like that. We started our faith journey with God uh, on the right track, maybe, with the best of intentions. And somewhere along the line, we got off track. Maybe it was like these guys. You got some bad directions. I don't know. Maybe that was you. Maybe you were traveling along through your life and you missed a very important sign. Maybe you saw a road up ahead that just looked a little too bumpy, a little too rough, and uh, you took an alternate route. You took, took the easy street, and it, it wasn't going where you thought it was going. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got a, a backseat driver in your life that they really aren't all that interested in going where you're going. And, and you find there's this, this friction. Maybe you're one of those distracted drivers. Come on, ladies. I've seen you at the, at the intersection putting makeup on, you know? Yeah? Okay, guys, I've seen you texting. I would never do that, of course. My kids caught me doing that once. Dad... Maybe, uh, maybe you've got a, a, a case of spiritual road rage. You know, someone has just cut you off in life. Someone has just been irritating you. And you probably love that bumper sticker which says, uh, pardon my driving, I'm reloading. Maybe, uh, maybe you are just a little bit exhausted. Maybe this year in 20, 2011 was one of those difficult years. And you're exhausted. You come to 2012 exhausted, dozing off at the wheel and maintaining faith and their direction in life, that may be not even the, the, the thing that's front and center on your mind. Maybe, uh, maybe you got a DUI. Maybe uh, you're driving under an unhealthy spiritual influence this year. As we start heading and driving through 2012, I, I wanted this morning to kind of be an opportunity for us to just sort of pull off to the side of the road And ask ourselves, how are we doing? How am I doing in my walk with Jesus? How am I doing in my relationship with Him? And I think this is really important. Why? Because the the condition of your, your faith is very important. Very important. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 says about us, says you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And there's one inescapable conclusion we have in reading the New Testament, reading the Old Testament, that we're saved by faith. There is no salvation without faith. Specifically, faith in Jesus Christ. And so if faith is so important, if faith is so mission critical, isn't that something that we should protect? Isn't that something that we should encourage growth in? Yeah, I think so. Nod your head if you agree with me. I think it is. It's interesting each, almost every week when we've looked at John's gospel, we've gone back to a particular verse in John's gospel, which traces the very reason that he wrote it. 
And the reason he wrote it had in mind your faith. He writes in chapter 19 and verse 31 that he wrote this gospel so that you may believe, someone say believe, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, say believing, you may have life in his name. And I, and I, and I, and this, was, this was his reason for writing. And, and then we come to the end of John's gospel, chapter 12. The end of chapter 12, where we're, we're going to be at today. Midway through the 21 chapters. And there's this sense of total astonishment. I sense in John's writing, particularly at verse 37. He says this, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, that is in the presence of all those people who witnessed Jesus three years ministry. Even after he'd done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. And I think this is John's way of saying, seriously? That water to wine thing didn't, didn't get your attention? That whole raising the Lazarus from the dead doesn't do it for you? Seriously? And I think this passage illustrates a very sad principle. And we're illustrating this very sad principle on the intent that we want to avoid this. So today... His message is actually a cautionary tale. And the sad principle is this, that having the light of truth is no guarantee that you're going to find your way, especially when you know how to get and stay lost. And that's what these folks were dealing with. That was their struggle. And so this morning we're going to ask, how do we get and stay lost? I think, well, that's kind of a dumb question. We don't, we don't really want that, I know. But I think it's going to be important to ask the question so that we can avoid the answers, so that we can avoid doing exactly that. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word. Open our hearts this morning. Lord, would you, uh, Lord, would you give us the faith to open our hearts to you? Because I know you're going to speak. I know that you have a message for each of us today. And I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. The first half of John's gospel... The first half of John's gospel, uh, first uh, 11 and a half chapters, covers the, first, or covers the three-year public ministry of Jesus Christ, covers a span of three years. The second half of John's gospel, the end of chapter 12 through chapter 21, covers the last week of Jesus' life. And so for the next... However long, I don't know how long it's going to take us. We're going to be actually looking at the last week of Jesus' life. And probably in one of his final messages to the final public messages to the crowds, he tells them this. In fact, he predicts, he says that he would be lifted up as he's telling them. He's going to be lifted up. In other words, he's telling them that he is going to be lifted up on the cross and die. And this didn't make any sense. But as he said that, his heavenly Father is listening in. And Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And his Father's listening. And he liked what he heard. And we come to chapter 12 and verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven. 
I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Again, Heavenly Father responding to his son's prayer. And the crowd that was there heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoke to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. Hey, we've heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Huh, Jesus? Huh, huh? Who is this Son of Man? And then Jesus told them. I don't know how he said it. But I think in response to a question he might, like that, he might have looked at them and said, uh, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. While you have the light, uh, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it. So that you may become sons of light. And John adds this postscript, kind of a sad commentary. Verse 36 and verse 37. When he'd finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Ouch! Why? Because even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Their faith was dead. They were lost people. Which begs a question, how did they get so lost? And as we begin a new year, maybe it's good for us to ask, how can we stay on track? How can we keep our faith alive and growing? Because you know what's hard to do? Here's what's really hard. It's hard to keep our faith on course. It's hard to live with eternity in mind. It's hard to persevere. That's why I felt the Lord asked me to read that verse in Hebrews 12. Because it's talking about, let us keep our eyes focused on Him who endured so much at the hands of sinful men. That we will not grow weary and lose heart. It's hard. But you know what's easy? It's really easy. You could do it in a snap. It's really easy to get and stay lost. Where your faith is unimportant. And in some cases just dead. And so there's five easy ways to get and stay lost. And we're going to try not to do that today. But I think, just humor me as we go through this. Verse 34 You know, it's important to notice how the crowd responds to Jesus. His prediction specifically of his death on the cross. Crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law, that is from the Bible, from what they know of God's word, that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Come on, Jesus, we've read our Bible. We know the prophets. Jesus, The Messiah is going to reign forever. And so Jesus, either you're not the Messiah or you just don't know Scripture. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? (laughs) 
But they were true. They were right about something. His reign would endure. They had read the scripture correctly. At least one of them. But they selectively focused on one and forgot a myriad of others, specifically Isaiah 53, where the prophet spoke about Jesus as a suffering servant, that he would be pierced for our transgressions. In other words, killed because of our sin. And so if you want to get and stay lost, just do what they did. Use creative map reading. Creative map reading. You see, I think the Bible, some people have said the Bible's a rule book. I don't think so. I think, I, when I think of the Bible, I think of it in two ways. One is a love letter. God's telling us how much he loves us. It's, it's in every page in the, in the Old and New Testament. And then secondly, I believe it's like a map to point us to God. It always leads to the cross. It always leads to the empty tomb. It always leads us to Christ. It always leads us to eternity. And if it's a road map to the Lord, some people take their map, it's like they're holding it upside down. That would, that would be dumb if you were trying to get directions to go somewhere and you had your map and you held it upside down. I mean, I've done that. It's like, why can't I figure this out? Oh, it's like, honey, turn it over. All right. And, and if you wanted to go somewhere and you, you knew what your destination was and you looked at the map and you said, hey, <laughs> that road's got a really cool name. Let's take that road just one problem it's not going where you're going it isn't going to get you where you want to go and see i think uh when it comes to god's word our spiritual roadmap we need to read it carefully honestly because you know what happens when we do that one of two things is going to happen as we begin to a serious study of god's word our own study of god's word individually not because of what you hear me say on Sunday, but you are digesting it right with the Lord right there every week, every day. One of two things is going to happen when you do that. One is he's going to confirm that you're on the right track. And I think God gives us a cookie and says, boy, <laughs> keep going. And that's great. It's like, all right, I'm good. I'm on the right track. Keep going. And then other times he's going to, he's going to say, look, take the first exit, turn around and go the other way, dude. I mean, I've heard the Lord say it almost... I don't think he's a surfer, so I don't think he says dude. <laughs> but he speaks to me in ways that I get it. But so many people pick and choose what they want to hear from God's word. I mean, I could pick any principle. Just one that comes to mind is simply, you know, there are tons of promises in the Bible about the blessings associated with giving and tithing. And many people will, will, will seize on those. Rightly so. Because they're, they're abundant in Scripture about the promises of generosity with money. Because where your treasure is, there's your heart. And we know all this. And so someone will focus on that and, and start writing checks and giving. And I hope you're in my church. But, but here's the problem with that. If you ignore the other scriptures that talk about warnings of going into debt and overspending, guess what? You're going to be really frustrated trying to find out where God's blessings went. And you persist in those kinds of things, that silliness, and eventually you might even come to the conclusion that God just lied to you. No, he didn't. You didn't read all of it. 
continue and study it. So if you want to get and stay lost, use creative map reading. But if you want to stay on course, try this. Commit to a daily habit of reading God's Word. I think 2012 is a great, the new, this new year, it's a great opportunity for us to begin new habits or restart old ones that have been lost. At LifeSpring, you hear me talk about this almost every week. Someone would say, Pastor, when are you going to shut up about this? But I can't because this is so vital to our life as an individual, as, a, as, a, as someone who's trying to grow in faith. In our life journal that we do as a church family, there is a reading plan in here. You can read the entire Bible uh, in a year. Can you, have you ever done that? Have you ever read the Bible, the entire Bible, in a year? It is way cool. Some of you are really good readers. You've done it in a half a year. And maybe this is too much reading. Maybe you could do it in two years. The key isn't to have to keep up with the class. The key is that every day you're having an experience with the Lord because you take a look at the reading plan, which is here. You go through the reading in your, in your Bible, and then there's a place in your life journal to then respond. You see my soaps on, during the week in my emails. If you don't get them, fill out a card and let us know your email, and you can get them. And you can see how a journal, life journal is done. SOAP, Scripture Observation Application and Prayer. If you don't have one of these and you want one, get them. They're in the back. I'm not doing this to, 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 to raise money. We basically sell these just a little bit above our cost, and uh, to, to basically to pay for the shipping and all that. Uh, I think they're only 87.50. But I'm going to offer this one to the person who don't raise your hands yet. To the person who says, I'm going to start this, and I'm going to do at least a month. I'm going to commit to 30 days uh, of a life journal. And, uh, and if, if you're going to do that, and you haven't done it, and you want a free life journal, it's, just raise your hand right now. There's two right there. All right. Here you go. And the other one is in the, the other one. I'll give you one, too. The other one's in the uh, lobby on your way out. Uh, Pastor Randy and Kathy can get that for you. You see, there's this huge problem with uh, randomly checking Scripture. Um, the reason I'm, I'm so passionate about this is, I mean, have you ever had times where you've come to Scripture and you thought, ah, what am I going to read? What am I going to do? I don't know. And uh, you, you could try the hunt and peck method, you know, the random Bible reading. It's like, hmm, I'm just kind of feeling blue today, Lord. Uh, let's see. Here it is. 2 Samuel 13, 4. Oh, son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? That's me, God. I'm depressed. How did you know? God, well, what am I supposed to do? Show me another verse. What am I supposed to do? Oh, let, me, let me try that. I'll try something in the New Testament. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of the Gospels. Um, God, what am I supposed to do? I'm just depressed. Oh, here it is. Matthew 27, 5. Judas threw the money into the temple and left, and then he went away and hanged himself. God, is that what you're telling me? You want me to give all my money to the church and then go kill myself? Really? No, that... Are you sure? Let me... Uh, are you sure? Uh, let, me, let me try another one. Let's see. Um, Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise? <laughs> or not. 
I, I make us. I'm, I wanted us to laugh, but I also wanted us to understand just the incredible importance it is of having your own study, because God is going to speak to you through His Word. And every day there's a divine appointment with you and the Lord, whether it's ten minutes, five minutes, an hour, six. <laughs> it's your time, and you're only robbing yourself. And I, this isn't, I'm not trying to give you guilt about any of this. I'm just, church, I'm just saying, if we're going to grow, if we're going to protect our faith, if we're going to walk in this thing and, 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 and finish our lives with, with faith in our heart and love for Jesus, we have got to know what his voice sounds like. And there's another way we can get and stay lost. Number two, I want to start here in verse 35. Jesus says, um, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. While you have the light, uh, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Listen, they just have a, he's speaking this, and they have literally just a few minutes with Jesus before they'll never see his face again. And sadly, they failed to seize the opportunity right there in front of them to receive the truth, to respond to it right there, right then. And you see, the second thing that it's easy to get and stay lost is this. And that is, is, is don't let truth get in the way. If you want to get and stay lost, don't let the truth get in the way. And so this begs a question, and that is, how quickly do you respond to God's voice when you hear it? So when you're reading your Bible, or when you're on Sunday morning, and you're, maybe you hear something in one of the worship songs, or the message that was spoken that day, the uh, Lord is speaking to you, and you know, he, he, he kind of puts, I know, because some of you have said after service sometimes, have you been reading my mail, Pastor Chad? I'm like, no, I've just been reading my mail, but they look a lot the same, don't they? You know, it's, and it's when the Lord says, uh-huh, that's it, Chad, or, or that's it, that's what you need to do. How quickly do we respond to that? Does it become this, this mental thing or this emotional thing that we kind of have this emotional feeling with Jesus? You know, we have the sort of the after school special with Jesus right there in our, in our Bible reading. And, you know, we, maybe even we weep and maybe we're even touched, but we don't do anything about it. Why? This is a dangerous habit. It would almost be better that you hadn't read the scripture. Because the same, because there can become a hardness and a habit of not following through. And I believe in 2012, God is calling all of us to be the kind of people who are quick to respond to the voice of the Lord. When we had our kids were little, we had a saying in our house that delayed obedience is disobedience. And I believe it's the same way with the Lord. I confessed a couple of miles about a month ago about the whole learning Spanish thing. And I realized that I had been delayed in my obedience that I felt the Lord was leading me to, lead, to learn Spanish. I bought Rosetta Stone, and I'm learning. I was in a session yesterday. Uh, Las manzanas son verdes, I think, is what I'm in. The apples are green. That's what I was learning yesterday. Is that right, Monica? Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> Hear me, please. The, the quicker you respond to God's voice, the quicker you respond to God's voice, the clearer his voice becomes and the easier it is to follow him. But the opposite is true, too, because the slower that you respond, the harder it is to hear his voice, the easier it is to just sort of rationalize it away. When I was uh, 
I remember when the GPS systems first came out, I had traveled to L.A. Um, on business, and I, I rented this car, and the lady who was renting me the car, she said, you want one with GPS? And I thought, oh, that's cool. I've heard about this. Uh, I want to try this out. And so I'd, after about five minutes, I didn't think it was that cool at all. Because, <laughs> because you know, you got to turn the thing on. you got to, you know, it's like I, I'm used to just getting on my way. And I just pull over and input the address and tell it where I wanted to go. And then as I start driving, it's kind of annoying. Turn left. Turn, turn right. And, and then it's like, make a legal U-turn. And I got really stressed out because I'm in California. I don't know, is it legal to make a U-turn in California? And so I'm pulling over the road. Should I call a lawyer? <laughs> and I, so I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm like, and, and, and I'm not, I think it's getting me lost. So I turn the thing off. Mm-hmm. Take that, Mr. GPS. Actually, it was Miss GPS, this little sweet voice. Truth is, though, I didn't want the truth to get in the way of my superior navigation skills. Does that sound like our spiritual life sometimes at all? You see, if you want to get and stay lost, don't let the truth get in the way. But if you want to get back on track in 2012... Then make a habit of quickly responding to his voice, his direction, his correction. Let's be the kind of people who, who, who see the truth, who believe that the truth is an opportunity for growth, not an obstacle to be overcome. Did you hear me? Let's respond to the truth as an opportunity to grow, not as an obstacle to be overcome. And in verse, the end of verse 35, here's the third thing. It says, the man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. See, when those people ignored the light of Christ right there, they were walking in spiritual darkness. Of course, Jesus knew where they were heading. They thought they knew where they were heading, but they didn't. Have you ever tried this? I don't recommend it. I've done it. But have you ever tried driving at night with the lights off? That's really, it's an adventure, isn't it? (laughs) I didn't say it was a good adventure. It's just an adventure because one of two things is going to happen. One is uh, you're going to not know where you're going because you can't see the road. And more likely, you're going to cause an accident. You'll either hurt somebody or you'll get hurt. And see, when, when Jesus talks about people traveling in darkness, he's now referring to a lifestyle that refuses the light. It's a moral darkness. This is that intentional, willful, habitual sin. So the question for some of us, maybe all of us today, is this. Are you driving with the lights off? Maybe it's not all the time. It's just when you come to those bad parts of town. Lights go off. Because you want to go in stealth to do that, whatever you want to do. See, if you want to get and stay lost, just, number three, drive in the dark and turn off the headlights. But if you want to get back on track with your faith, then this is the year that you're going to drive with the lights on. Someone say amen. 
Invite God's truth to invade every area of your life. Invite his light to reveal the truth in your life, no matter how ashamed you might feel about what it's going to be revealing. And if that's you, then verse 36 is going to be your theme verse for 2012. Because Jesus says this, he says, put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become what? Sons of light, sons of light. See, if you trust in the light, if you welcome the light of truth into every area of your life, not only will you get to where you're going, not only will you be able to see your way, you'll become one of the sons of light or the daughters of light. Meaning that you're going to carry the light of Christ with you. And your light is going to help others find their way back to him. That is an amazing thing. Now, if you don't want that, if that seems like a hassle to you, if you want to get and stay lost, and if you want to help others get and stay lost, then make sure you you take step four, which is don't aspire to help others navigate. But I don't think that's truly what any of us wants. We don't want that. We don't want to be in the dark. We don't... Those that are traveling with us, we, we don't want them to lose their way because they're traveling with us, do we? No. We want to be sons and daughters of light. Do you? Do you? This is an important question. Because your life affects other people. It does. You encourage faith and you can discourage faith. I've done both. I'm really good at discouraging faith. When I'm left to my own self and selfish self. Now for just a second, I want to go back to the original question that we raised. How is it that the same people who saw such great miracles heard such great teaching? drank the water that had become wine, ate the food that fed 5,000. How could they still be incapable of believing in Jesus? Verse 39. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after he had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. Why did they get so lost? Well, here they... They ignored their last opportunity to believe. And Jesus hid himself from them. They no longer had any chance to believe in him. They'd gotten lost. But the sad thing is now they would stay lost. How'd they get that way? John mentions this in verse 39 and 40. He says, you know what? Even the prophets predicted that this was going to happen. In fact, how did they get this way? John says, for this reason, they could not believe. Because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes, deadened their hearts, so that they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. This is a hard part of Scripture. Because it reveals a very alarming but true biblical principle. And it's this. That God actually prevents some people from believing in him. Really? Well, that doesn't seem very fair. But understand, it's not that God has somehow rigged the game. It's not what's happening here. 
This is the principle that says use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. See, if you tied your arm behind your back for four months, never used it, at the end of four months, wanted to go shoot baskets with your right hand, your right arm. I don't think so. It's completely useless because it hasn't been used. And when you consistently refuse to act on the truth you've received, eventually you lose not only the desire, but the ability to receive and to follow the truth. And so if you really want to get and stay totally lost, then just do step number five. Go unplug your spiritual GPS. People do it all the time. And you can become the kind of person who doesn't just refuse God's direction, but who's no longer bothered by his voice at all. Just click. It's hanging up. But obviously that has some somewhat negative consequences when we turn our back on God. And as I look around the room, I, I see people who want to do just the opposite. Of course we do. And if you want to get back on track, stay connected. Stay connected. Stay in fellowship. Join a small group. Join a life group. Get in the marriage thing. Read your Bible. Come in fellowship on Sunday. Commit to being here. Some of us can just find every excuse to not be here on Sunday. Some of you, we can't keep you away. I love that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And if we stay connected with God, what we're really doing is we're just responding in faith to the call of God in our lives. His word, his voice. And you'll, as you respond, you're going to become faithful. You'll become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You know why? It's because we become what we do. We become what we do. And as, uh, as Dan just plays a little bit here, I just I want to invite us to respond. I think a new year gives us an opportunity to reflect. Yeah, now we're just kind of pulling the car over. Kind of had a little check. How are we doing? How's our, how are we doing in our relationship with the Lord? And in just a minute, I'm going to invite I'm going to invite you to stand in a minute, maybe where you're at, right there. And I would just encourage you: don't stand because you think I'm asking you to, or it's the right thing, or other people are doing it. We're grown-ups here. We don't we don't care about that. But here's a reason you might stand this morning. Maybe today God is calling you to be more intentional about study of his word. Maybe as you stand up, you're saying to God, you know what, I want to listen to your voice by reading your word. I want to do my devotions, maybe get a life journal, get started, figure out how to do all that. You might want to stand up this morning because you feel like God is calling you to be a little quicker in your response time to his voice. 
Maybe he's asked you to do something in 2011, but it's kind of some unfinished business. And by standing up today, you're saying, you know, God, I'm going to go back to that last thing you asked me about. I'm going to go do that. And this year, I want to be quick to respond to your voice. You might stand up this morning because you don't want to drive in the dark anymore. And there's something that you need to bring in the light. Something to confess. Maybe it's even embarrassing. But when you stand up today, you're saying to God, God, I'm confessing this. I want it to come out in the light. And I'm even going to bring this up to a trusted friend so that I could have victory. And you might stand up this morning because you felt like you've turned off your spiritual GPS. And when you stand up today, you're saying, you know, God, I want to reconnect with you. God, I'm tired of being my own navigator. I don't ever want to lose the desire or the ability to hear or follow your voice. And if one of those things the Lord is calling you this morning, I want to invite you to stand right now. are on our feet this morning because the Lord is calling all of us to a place of growth. And Lord, I thank you that we can do all things through you who strengthens us. Lord God, you haven't just put us here and randomly expecting us to do this on our own. Lord, would you give us the faith to link up with another brother or sister? Would you give us the faith to to take a step, to rearrange schedules, to do the things that you've called us to do, that we would keep the destination in mind, that every encumbrance, we would set them aside, the things that are keeping us back from you. Because, Lord, we trust you and thank you. You've set us free. Amen.